Hey, everyone. Welcome to tonight's show. My guest is the amazing Anna David. She's an author of several books. She also has a podcast called After Party Pod, and she's written a lot about love, dating, addiction. It's going to be a great show. But first, thank you, everyone, for supporting my sponsors. And you know, I love my No-No Pro. I've spent so much time and money on razors and waxing and trying to remove, remove hair in all these crazy ways, and it doesn't work. It grows back. It's expensive. It's painful. But the No-No Pro is the very best way to remove unwanted hair, and there's no pain, no pain at all. I do it while I'm watching TV, on the phone. It's so easy, and it's for men too, guys. I know you've got like that neck hair and some back hair, and you're like, what do I do? Guess what? You buy a No-No Pro. It's that easy. Whether it's your legs, your arms, your face, between your legs, you know what I'm talking about? You'll love how easy this is to use and the weeks and weeks of long-lasting results. Plus... Here's the best part. No-No Pro comes with a 100% 60-day money-back guarantee. And when you purchase it, you'll get a $50 gift card and to an, award, to an award-winning skincare line. Go to nonoemily.com. That's nonoemily.com. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Hey, Emily, you got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. The girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean, like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God, I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. But you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com because there you will find my podcasts, all my blog posts. You'll find a lot of useful information that will help you have better sex and relationships. You should also sign up for my newsletter because it's actually not really an annoying newsletter at all. In fact, people like my newsletter. They come up to me and they're like, I like your newsletter. And who the hell says says that? Because most people delete the goddamn newsletters. So sign up for that. Check out my post. Also, I would love if you followed me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I answer all your questions on Wednesdays from 1231 Pacific Standard Time on Twitter for half hour. Whatever questions you have, I will answer it in 140 characters or less, which is, which is I kind of like it because I'm kind of ADD. I can put it all in. Right, Anderson? You got to put that limit on you. There. I like the limit. I wish I Otherwise could Otherwise you write like things. 10 pages. I know, exactly. That's my problem. How you doing, Anderson? I'm good. I'm sorry if it sounds like extra white noise in here. It's cuz the AC is broken and I got a fan. Well, how come it's not broken in here cuz I, I, I know, I'd love to trade off. with you right now cuz you're a, a wafy little thing. I, it's cold fast. I'm all chunky over here sweating. <laughs> I turned it up to 74 though. We're going to be sweating soon. Oh, well, my guest, she probably look even hotter when she sweats. I have Anna David here. Please. Anna David is an author. She's written several books, and I will tell you all about them, her books, her titles. We'll get into all that in a moment. She's got a podcast that you have to check it out called After Party Pod, and she's the creative After Party Group. It's a company dedicated to trying to show addicts sober and non-sober alike and the loved ones of addicts what recovery can be like. She's also written a lot about sex and dating, and that's actually... Well, okay. Anna, my, hi, Anna. Hi, Emily. It's so good Loved to see your you. Intro. Can we talk about how long ago we met? Yeah, we we met a long time ago, like tw- like when we were twenty two. I want to say it was something like that in San Francisco at a party because we were dating brothers. Right. Okay, but I didn't. Here's a story about Anna David. I didn't know that you were dating his brother. And right, it was very brief. Okay, but I was dating this guy for like a year, and Anna's super hot, okay? And she was really hot and confident, and she was just there on flirting with my boyfriend all night. He was flirting with her. And oh, he was, no. He was into you. Courtney? Okay, fine. He was into you. Yeah. First of all, both, yeah, we don't need to get into okay, names, but they both had girl names. That was just interesting. I know, they had girl names. Uh, yeah, I was not ever flirting Okay, with but anything. I thought I was oh, just, so you didn't I'm like so me. not. Yeah, well, for a second, I was like, what? But he was like into, like talking, no, and I never I seen him it. have that look with anyone but me. So I was like, Anna, David, and I always remembered your name just because that. And I think I only met you once. Cut to five years ago, we were on Sirius XM together on a show. Yes. And you're sex- it was It was the show I used to host exactly. on Maxim Radio, and you walked in, and I completely knew who you were, and you go, 
we know each other from right. San Francisco. You did not share with me that I was flirting with you your were, boyfriend. You were, because you were hot, and of course I'm, a I'm like, and I really loved him at the time, and that's how I first knew you. But now I know her for all her amazing accomplishments, and I'm so impressed by you, all the stuff you do. You're now, and in fact, my intern today was so excited. She's not here, but she has read a bunch of your books. Really? She's so excited, and she wanted to come, but she had to work. I yeah. love her already. I know, me too. I was like, I, I love that. But can we also talk about how we reconnected yes. in a shoe store? Yes. How I didn't know you moved from San Francisco. And no, we were not in a shoe store, but you were buying shoes to go away to Mexico or something. Right. And I was, and I saw you and I said, Emily, Anna, and we went through this whole thing and you, I just was like, her life continues to be fabulous. She's, oh. he, she just moved here. She's like buying shoes to go to Mexico. Oh my God. No, you're my you. idol. Oh, you're my, no, see, that's come why on, we're not mutual adoration society. No, but it's really true. I mean, I've watched you build something and see it through and become this sort of CEO of your life and your business and multimedia. Forget Howard Stern, the king of all media. Here's the queen. Oh, my God. And I mean it. And, you know, when I was starting my business, I asked you a bunch of questions. Was I helpful? I very. Helped. Okay, very. good. Well, I'm always here to help you. I didn't even feel like you needed my help because I go to your website and I'm like, oh, my God, New York Times Belling, New York Times bestselling author, Well, party you girl. Yeah. And bought, and the nonfiction books Falling for Me, Reality Matters. By some miracle, I made it out. I made it out of there. Two Tales of Lust and Love, which is your most recent. Yes, yes. So, I mean, you've done so many things. It's really tiring. Those <laughs> books, I don't know. I mean, you did a book, you know. I it's don't, so hard. No one promotes it but yourself. It's so hard, and I never want to do it again. You never want to write a book again? No. So now you're focused mostly on After Party Pod. Yes. Well, and After Party Chat, which is the website that goes with it. So I got sober, um, I guess, 13 years and eight months oh, ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Up, nine months oh, ago. God. And um, And increasingly, so I, I wrote a book. I, I, You know, whatever. I always talked about how I want to write a book and change the world and do right. all these things. Totally. I never did anything. And then I got sober, and I realized I could write a book. Well, basically, a girl I knew who's sort of a nemesis wrote a book, and I thought, if she can do it, I can do it. That was my motivation. Okay. Did you always like writing? Were you always a writer, though? Because you're such a talented writer. Was Thank that always you. your thing? It always was my thing. I mean, I majored in creative writing in college, but that was because I was a party girl, and it was really easy. You know, I didn't Hence actually, your first book. Right. Yeah, I didn't actually think I would do anything with it. Um, but so I, I did always like writing, but... But so I just being sober, I thought, well, I can't write a, I, you know, I can't write a book. And then I thought, well, I could write three pages a day. And if you do that, I can't really do math, but in nine months or something, you have a book. <laughs> right. It's like your baby. Yeah, it is your baby. And, and, I, and that one was great. It's the other five <laughs> that I regret I know, writing. it's painful. And I was talking to someone, he's an agent, he actually reps writers, and he was saying that like every writer thinks it's painful. Like they hate, like, like you love it, but you hate it. Uh, yeah, I just hate it. <laughs> In addiction, they say it starts off fun, then it gets to fun with problems, then it gets to just problems. And with book writing, I got to just problems. I think it's true. With addiction too, you're so right. Yes. But yeah, that's like everything. You're it's right. True. But, with, but yeah. So I've always thought I should write another book, but I just really like talking. And doing it. Don't you love doing the podcast? I do. I do. It's really, really fun. I, um, I mean, so basically I started this website last year and I decided to do a podcast knew nothing about it and then I sold it all in January and so now it's a much better situation because I'm paid to do it. That's great. But so to the get podcast, paid to do anything a podcast. To get paid to do anything is great. Especially <laughs> you're creative, right. Nearly getting, going broke doing books. And um, and so the podcast is just one. I, I do five posts a day on this website. So the podcast is one of the five posts on Fridays. So I love And you write it. them all? No, but I'm responsible for them all. So I have to come up with all the ideas and assign them and edit them and then I write a bunch of them. Oh my God, you're busy. That's a lot. But you, oh. Do you like writing blog posts though? Like Because that's kind of easier are you still I all of it do no i do i, I just don't want to write books I, right. I like writing anything but books right okay got it we won't make you write another book i'm <laughs> not sitting I, here I, right I, now no no I, I definitely don't do that but then we met so let's go back to the beginning because when we met like you you were writing about love and dating yes. and that's another thing you got tired of yes <laughs> but i don't what? get tired of the topic of addiction and okay. recovery but the thing is i felt that i got uh, pigeonholed as that. I never wanted to be writing or talking about How sex and dating. How did it happen to you then? It was a complete accident. I was writing, I worked for Premiere Magazine and I was writing, you know, celebrity profiles and I was really into writing about movies and stuff. And then this girl, literally this girl like cold called me and said, I'm, she was the sex columnist for New York Magazine at the time. She said, I want to do a story where I trade dating lives with a girl in LA 
would and, and then we write about it and I would you want to do that and I sort of I say yes to every opportunity right. I'm like sure right. right and then and then she sold it to Playboy, and then the story ended up becoming this huge deal. I never done anything what like that. What do you mean that. you traded? Did you have to go to New York for a few months? Yeah, so they boy- fly you to New York for a week. I stayed in her apartment. She set me up on dates, and then I, you know, met whoever I met and wrote about it. Super fun. Completely bonded with the Playboy editor when I was there. He said, let's shoot you guys for the magazine. So Naked? Then, um <laughs> Like, you can definitely see my – it's like ass. I am just wearing a G-string, but it's shot in such a way that you Ooh, just see ass. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. And um, <laughs> But it was six pages of photos. So you don't know this? No, I know nothing about this, okay. and I want it down. Can people Google it? <laughs> no, you can't find it online. And, and I was in a, another time, and both issues are collector's issues because Pam Anderson was on the cover of one, and Carmen Electra was on the cover of wow, the other. Wow, nice. Which was a big deal at Dude, the time. Dude, that's huge. So, so because of the six pages of photos, and then this was like a 4,000-word story, and then it was optioned and made into this reality show pilot. I know. I thought this happened in every story. I didn't realize. Right, this right. Was like, like, not everyone gets a reality show made out of a story. No, and I was a producer. I had an office on it. Unfortunately, the show is terrible and was not picked up. But, but <laughs> That's then, so that was such a big deal that suddenly I had a TV agent and people are calling him and going, "Oh, she's a sex, dating, and relationship expert." And he's like, uh, "Yeah." And so that was that was that was how it happened. And then Attack of the Show, the show called on and G4? S- on G four, right? and okay. they said, "Will she come in and answer sex and dating questions one day?" And so I did that. And I didn't know they were revamping the show, and then they they hired me, and I did it twice a week for three years. Right, and it was really popular, and people loved you. I, you know, I, I certainly didn't know anybody in my day to day life who watched it, but right. I got a lot of email. Right, you know what <laughs> I mean? I bet you did. Nobody. Did you get a lot of dick pictures too. Um, I do. I still get. <laughs> I still have a folder called "creepy" on my. Well, do you have that? No, but I should. You should. Oh my god, you I need it so totally much more than I do. Well, I feel like I get creeped out a lot easier than you do. Yeah, I'm like, oh, another dick yeah. picture. Yeah. yeah I mean, but but I, what creeps you out? What's creepy? Um, there are some. I really wish I had my computer with you so I, I could because it's the it's a wide variety. Here's what I don't like. I still get these. Okay. Men who write and say say that they're writing because they're too big for their wife, oh. but they're really clearly writing to because they think you're gonna be like, oh my yeah. god, can I please have sex with you? Yeah. Do you get those? I well, I do. Well, I get a lot of guys who write in, and, and they truly are too big, and they're like talking about their girlfriend. But I don't think they're hitting me. However, I do have a friend, um, not a friend, an acquaintance from where I grew up in Michigan. I hope he doesn't listen to the show. But he said all the time, he's like, "I got a really serious question. Like, my penis is just too." And I know he's like hitting. He's kind of sleazy. He's like, right. "My penis is too big, and like, I'm not sure what to do because every girl I date has a problem with it." And I'm just like, I ignore him. I'm just like, use lots of lube. Yeah, that's all I say. Like, usually, right. be careful. And it's, but not, that, it's not always that great, by the but way. But then I heard that he's telling people that we're dating. I'm like, all oh, I do yeah. is give him advice about his big penis. Yeah, like I'm yeah. not. He is kind of crazy. But I do want to clarify. It's I, I don't think everyone who sends that email like I just no got right. One no, I'm just saying that people I really knew. do. Right. Yes. You know. Oh, I know people do have the problem. I've tried to have sex with those people. I right. know that they have that problem. You know, <laughs> you tried to have sex with the people with the big. So it actually worked. <laughs> not with anyone who emailed okay. me about it when I've happened upon them in my okay, regular life. So when you were writing about dating and sex and doing the attack of the show, which was – did you do you feel like you learned stuff or did you I, – I did. I also felt very unqualified. So I would pursue – you know, I, that school in San Francisco, I got an associate of sex education. The one I went to? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. We talked about this yeah. at one point. Okay. And – um. And then I, you know, I joined the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, Therapists. Right. I'm sure Asset you're in that. Forever. Yeah. And um, and and I really, you know, tried to educate myself as much as I could because I, because I would get emails from people that that were like, "Dear Doctor David," right. like they really thought that I, you know, I never passed myself off as any kind of a right therapist or anything like that. But but that really grew into this thing that was almost unmanageable. I was doing lots of spokesperson jobs. Right. And that's how we we were kind of running across. Right, exactly. I would go in for meetings and they'd go, oh, Emily Morse just left kind of a thing. Right, right. You and I have definitely run, run in the same circles. That's yes. true. That's true. And I appreciate because you've recommended some things to me that's as well. That's true because I don't... I, You're whenever, like, I'm out. I'm yeah, whenever I get Call anything. Late. Bye. I know. Do you ever <laughs> say yes to those? I never know. You know what? So I think one of them I did. I can't remember what it was. But yeah. I did. Yeah, and a few of them I've like said, yes, I'm interested. And so right. I appreciate that. Of course. So, so now, okay, are you single now? Dating? I'm dating. Uh, didn't I say we weren't going to get into this? Oh, we're not? Okay. Uh, no, well, what, we what is the difference? Can we uh, just talk more generally? Yeah. How about dating here, LA, Los mm-hmm. Angeles, mm-hmm. versus dating, because you were in New York for a while. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the difference? Well, it's much 
better in New York, of course, but living there is so much more miserable than who cares. Right, exactly. It kind of balance, it sort of cancels each other out. Well, you know, my thing about it is that LA, living in LA is so pleasant. We're not cold, there are lovely people, there are all these things to do. So the need, so being single isn't so bad. It's actually right. kind of wonderful. I like it. Whereas being single in New York is you better attach yourself to somebody, not only for warmth, but just like to get through those long winter months. Yeah, that's true. It's like that, like in the Midwest as well. I yeah. But people always say, but they have a the mentality people say New York guys are looking for the bigger better deal or in LA they're looking for the bigger better deal and in New York the guys work too much and they're I I found in New York I mean I definitely I was never single the whole like I lived there for three years I was never single right um, whereas here, again, I'm, I it's love my life. I know, me too. I really, my friend was saying the other day, she said, looking for boyfriends is so much more fun than having boyfriends. It's so true. I know. Because it's like the grass is always greener. Once you have one, you're like, I ah, know, really? So After the first three months, I know. Because we have a lot going on too. And if anyone infringes upon my, like, I got to work, I gotta, like, no, you work too much. I'm like, okay. And you call me too much. It's right. Over. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. You Which don't is, work enough. Right. That's the exactly. Only answer. Maybe are you should get a job and then stop calling me. Are you dating anybody? You know, a few, a few people here and there, mm-hmm. but nothing. You know, nothing that since we, we had lunch a few weeks. We had ago. lunch. That's yeah. There was someone that we talked about. I mean, I'm pro. Uh, yeah, I'm still. I, I, I still see him sometimes, mm-hmm. and I, I have a few. I'm not. I'm not in a commitment phase right now. Right. At, or have I ever been? Y- yeah, I was going to say since, since my boyfriend loved you 20 years ago. Exactly. I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around you caring about a boyfriend flirting with someone. Well, I was. Tw- it was. I loved him. That's so cute. He was cute. like the last person I ever thought. I know. It's been a long time. I'm like, that's why we have to have lunch way more often. Dude, okay. Can we just talk about this? Yeah. I've had your birthday present. I know. We, that's we, so She works sad. across the street from me. Not yeah. like across and down the street, but no, I could see into your window. directly across the street. Yeah. And she hasn't come by because we're both so goddamn busy. No. And, and we scheduled that lunch like a month and a half ahead of time. I was shocked when we both did it. And then, and yeah. And then I said, tomorrow I'll come by your office. Right. And that was, a and month like even ago. my sister Lauren's like, is this, is Anna coming by? Is Anna? I'm like, I'm not gonna bother. We'll see her on well, the. You're show. the only person who understands why I, I can't totally spare get it. 15 minutes no, to I walk across it. the street, I, honey. I get it, but how is it going? So, so you started writing about addiction recovery. Was yes. it soon after? No, well, you've been so for 13 years. You've been so sober forever. So. It was when I was four years sober. I started writing Party Girl. Okay, and that was, um, you know, it's a novel, but it's so my story. So I just kind of fictionalized my story and had this amazing time. I wrote it in nine months. I had the easiest time ever selling it, sold it to That's Judith Regan, and it was this amazing thing. And again, kind of like that Sex and Two Cities, that article for right. Playboy, I was like, this is what it's like with right. every book. And it was so <laughs> not like that. It's so not like that. You've just had, you've had good success with that. I had, yes, Party Girl was, was and the problem with writing, and, and a, a lot with this, you know, doing anything, is that today so many people criticize you, you know, in, I Publicly. can never write Again, the way I wrote with Party Girl because I didn't have all the Amazon nasty reviews in my oh, head and all the them. things. I know. And now I'm starting to get them for my podcast. Really? People, well, people, you always get that. And it's so funny because I try not to read them. I, I really don't. But we, a few years ago, I tried to charge for my podcast because I've been trying to make a living at this for years. I mean, and I you have succeeded. Yes. I mean, yes. But I, so we decided to charge for it for like a few months. And I mean, I, so, so Menace, who's my co-host and has the show, and he said this last week. I'm going to say it again. If you guys like the show, or you don't like it, I don't care. Well, if you don't like it, don't go to iTunes. But if you do like it, go to iTunes and review it. And just say yeah. that you like it and you listen. Because that would really help me. Because people were angry. And they're like, I can't believe you're charging. So there was a lot of like anger. Oh, that's so Yeah, silly. But people also say, Emily talks too fast. Her voice is annoying. Like, I read that stuff. And I'm like, but some people really like me. Yeah. And when I started becoming more public with, you know, doing anything that's public, I thought, okay. Well, people, like, I, I first thought about Siskel and Ebert, right? Thumbs, they, they wouldn't even agree on movies sometimes. It'd be like, thumbs up, thumbs down. Right. I'm like, okay, so half the people are going to hate me. And half yeah. the people are going to like me. That's pretty good. Or I That's think great. like people hate Oprah. People hate dogs, puppy dogs. <laughs> people are going to hate me, and it's fine. So I just try not to take it in because I feel like I'm doing the best I can. And yeah. I, I really want to help people with their lives and their relationships. Like, truly, it's not because I think I'm, it's going to make me famous and whatever, rich, because I'm helping people. Just it feels good, just like how you yes. get tired of addiction. Yes. I never tire of sex and relationships and love I, yeah. and dating. I, yeah. I, I really don't. You're meant to do it. Because I'm, I'm meant to do it just like you're meant to do what you're doing. So you started doing your yes. podcast. But I will say this. You yeah. know, I think that the Amazon critics and in general, I mean, I've read the, when I was on Attack of the Show, like just, I read the nastiest things about myself and I did learn to just either not read it or let it sort of brush off. Right. 
but it's funny because the podcast I care so much about. Right. And people will email me and say, I just wrote you a really nice review. So then I go to read the really right. nice review. But I will say the two negative reviews I've gotten have really Only two? Well, that, well, there's not that many okay. altogether. Okay, so go review and listen to it and then review it. Yeah, well. you don't even have to listen to it. Just go right now. I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, but but they were really helpful. They were really harsh and really helpful. Um, you know, one said she talks over her guests. She talks too much. And I and I think it was true. And then another said um, she was criticizing my, my vocal abilities. And I was like, honey, I get paid to go to colleges and talk. Do you? Right. Like, I think my vocal abilities are okay. Yeah, I think so too. But but she talked about certain facials, I mean, sort of verbal tics. And I'm more conscious of them. And and I think she's right. Right. Okay, that's true. That, mm-hmm. that is, it is true. And people say I cut off my guests too. And they've been saying that. So if I do, I apologize. You haven't done to me. But not yet. Well, uh, no, but people do say that, and they say I talk to you. I read that. So I, I, it, it's true. It is helpful. And I, I've been doing it for so long. I've done like 2,000 podcasts. I used to not even – and I think, I think I still do this too, but I used to not even finish my sentences. Like I cut myself off. Like, like, <laughs> like okay, any guess? If I cut you off, I'm sorry, but I cut myself off. Like I, right. I have a change of thought in the middle. Right. And I used to have an intern. This was eight years ago, and she'd hold up a card. Her job was just to be like, finish your sentences. Finish your set. Like, it was a training. Cause that's hilarious. I, get, I don't know what was a nervous thing. No, but I think that's why I like talking to you so much. I was noticing two minutes ago that you talk really fast, and I talk faster than anyone I know, and I'm always criticized for it. So Me too. So I, I think our brains kind of work at the same speed. They do. My brain works faster, I think, than I can speak, mm-hmm. and I can process thoughts, and I've always been a fast talker, and um, it's something that I'm, like, really trying to work on. Yes. slower. And yes. it's also... Because it can so be annoying boring. to people, too. And they're like, someone, like one of the reviews said, I can't even understand what she's saying. <laughs> well, clearly I'm like, I'm the 10,000 to 15,000 people that download it every time right. can. Right. So she can chill out. Um, but, yes. So your so addiction and recovery. So how is that? So 13 years. Yes. And a half. Yeah. Over, almost 14. That's, yeah. that's amazing accomplishment because most people are addicted to something. Most. I mean, that's not to say I'm not addicted to other things still. But coffee well process addictions like these these things that you're in the you know that that you're always kind of doing whatever they are whether it's like an unhealthy relationship with food or sex or technology you know full-on workaholic full-on technology person aholic aholic me too with the phone and and never you know never sex but i think like love and relationship um my my thinking is not sane always around it like and how I, so? Well, I think that I, um, well, I, you know, I, I haven't been, like we were just talking about, like, like you know, I was madly in love, like, decades ago. And I think that what I will do is I will say, there, there's something wrong with me. You know, rather than I'm building this huge career, right. it's the, everything happens the way it's meant to. And I have, but I have, like, really black and white thinking. And then... I, I sort of – I feel like we talked about this, but it was off air, so it doesn't hurt. count. Right. Um, but, you know, it's like I would – you know, I have certain expectations. I, I know that there have been people that I could have just sort of settled for, which I think a lot of people do, and I don't I, – I envy that. Me too. I just wish I could do that and not – I don't know. It's like I don't feel like I'm expecting some Prince Charming, you know, but, but is it that? This is exactly the thing because I don't know. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I've dated. I don't date assholes. I don't date jerks. I date really nice guys. Mm-hmm. And they're not like abusive. They're not mean to me. You know, maybe I have one or two bad ones, but I got rid of them within a month. But mostly they're like great guys who love me and they're sweet to me. And and I'm just like, mm, I'm not I'm not there. I don't feel the same way you do. I can't re- – whatever it is. And then all my friends say to me – I said, well, so maybe I'm just not meant to be in a committed – that's not my lot in life. Right. And I've also never been focused on it. I've never thought right. like many women – we're very – I don't think – I don't know many women like us yeah. in the sense of who they are totally oriented towards finding a lover, finding a partner, settling down, having children. And for me, it's always been about – what is the bigger picture? What's going to be my footprint in life? How am I going to change the world? And yes. truly. And yes. because I knew that would be so satisfying to do what I love, get paid for it, and be able to like make – because I always like felt like my dad didn't love being a lawyer and my mom raised me never to rely on a man or anyone to take care of you. So I thought, okay, well, I better love what I do if I'm going to be working my whole life. And so for me, it's been this journey to finding what I love. Yes. But now that I found it eight right. years ago, it's been like building it and trying to like sustain it so I could 
have a life. I know. And then when is it big enough? Right. When is it big enough? And when do you have? When can you take the break and have the? I life? know. I know. But do, and I, I mean, I don't. I don't know if this is just boring for listeners, but I will say <laughs> that you know the thing about your mom saying always be financially independent. And I, I looked my. No, I don't know if anyone said that to me, but I looked at my parents' marriages. Oh my God, my mom settled. And if he didn't have, if, if there wasn't money involved, she could have done so much better. And I know I internally said that. That I will, you know, and I do think I'm, it's not that women who are financially dependent on men, there's something wrong Nothing with it. Nothing at all. But, but I think if you don't want to do that, then the priority of doing that it becomes less. Right, exactly. So I'm like, why do I need it? Why do I, I don't yeah. need it? You know, and I've dated guys with money, without money. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice to, you know, go on these trips or have them go take me shopping. But it didn't trump everything else it I wasn't know. as a priority for me I know so but it's funny because then you still were giving relationship advice and it's funny you said no. at the beginning you felt like you were the expert you weren't the expert people were calling you the expert and that's how I felt at the beginning too I was like I, you know I started getting phone because I started doing a live show in San Francisco and I get callers and and I know what I am if God knows I've had enough therapy and I've read enough books and then I read every book on the sun under about right. it but I still felt you know now I finally feel like I'm a doctor got my doctor and I can right. be called the expert but it, it took a while you know yes I mean and but I also think making it specifically about sex and less about relationships because you you can and you have become an expert whereas right. with relationships I would just always feel like you know people would say to me we don't want some lady who's been married 20 years giving us that's not exactly a, you're out there dating yes I mean and my my whole message has always been you know I all my advice comes from my own experience you know and I have made these mistakes so I can I can predict any mistake you could make and tell you what my experience has exactly. been yeah exactly we know our because we've done so much work on ourselves yes and been on so many dates so many dates any okay so i know we're not talking about your dating like now but are there any good stories or anything that's happened that you can share or anything that really influenced you as far as in any of your your writing lately anything that's happened to you that we could that well i'm trying to think um God, I, I know. I didn't mean to set this bar. We can't talk right. about my dating. It's, okay, it's well, just that it's been to. it's been a little not <laughs> that exciting lately. Um, but but yeah, I I mean, I all I've been doing lately is working. I am going to go to Indonesia to visit some rehab, oh, but good. that's what I mean. You know what I mean? It's work. But Indonesia, are you going to Bali? I don't even know where it is. We're still working it out, and I and I speak at colleges. I'm going to Alaska to speak um, in September in Wyoming. Do you do that. any of that? I, you know, I'm starting to do more. Yeah. I did a workshop at Hustler here, but I'm going to start doing more speaking. I really want to do college campuses. Yes, yes. It's just like on the list of all the things I want it's to do. It's a whole thing, but yeah, no. I mean, my focus is basically this company was bought in January, and until December, you know, he's my owner is like working me to the ground. Oh, okay, and now we. Finally, have ads that we're getting, so it's actually profitable. But it has been a grind. I know it is a total grind. It's hard, but I'm proud of you sticking with it. So after part, so it's about so you interview people who are going through who are yeah for the podcast. I interview sober people, and I have it's mostly comedians. But I've had like who have you had on? I have had Mark Marin. I had uh, Paul Gilmartin, Jimmy Pardo. Um, This week I had. Oh, my God, why am I blanking? Well, actress, I've had Kristen Johnston. I've had Mackenzie Phillips. Uh, writers, I've wow. had Jerry Stahl. Um, I, I, wait, who is, oh, John Heffron was the one I had okay. this week. Um, I'm having Alonzo Bodden. Do you know who that is? No. Just, like, I, I. So they talk, but do they all talk about their. Yes. Their, they, like, reveal everything because you're so open. People who are. Well, takes one to no one. But, right. yeah, it's – I did not know what I was doing at all. I was recording them on an iPhone, and I – I remember that. When I first met you, you're like, I'm using the iPhone. I'm like, cool. Yeah. And I and I had great – I just asked people. I, I mean, I, these were all pretty much people I knew. And then I got the equipment. And, you know, I, I definitely have learned as I've gone. And now it's it's – because it's hard to know when you're interviewing somebody, am I like that what we were talking about? Am I talking too much? Am I not talking enough? Because sometimes to be of service to the show, I should shut up. Right. And I, yet I always think I need to make it better by talking. And it's, you know, and then I'm not in the moment. And the best conversations are the ones where you can just even forget that you're doing a show. Right. Like I just And did you'll just get now. to that. No, see, that's what I, I mean, I think that I often, I probably cut people off in real life, is the truth. Because I just, <laughs> I don't think about it that I'm doing a show. I'm not like, oh, what's everyone going to like and want to hear right now? So I guess I don't really think about that. Um, but I want to talk about, well, 
we've taken a quick break now for my sponsors, but when we come back, we got to talk more about sober sex. I've always wanted to talk mm-hmm, about that mm-hmm. because I know I have a lot of people who are sober and are afraid of getting so, or sober, and they talk about those experiences, but also people think they can never have sex if they're not sober. Right. So I want to give some tips on that. But first we have to, and then we're going to answer some emails. Great. Because I think that you can really help some people that have emailed me about a lot of different things that we will cover. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my sponsor here. Uh, thanks, everyone, for supporting the show and my um, amazing massage candles. Okay, I made them. I shouldn't call them amazing, but the truth is they kind of are. A massage candle, do you know what it is? It, it basically looks like a regular candle, but it instantly turns into massage oil. You light it, and the, the oil pools, and then it's not waxy or sticky or hot. It's just super romantic and sexy. And it's um, it, it, it helps you massage your partner and get, it helps your partner get in the mood. Because let's face it, how many times have you ever, like, asked your partner, like, to get, get asked a woman to give, to give her a massage or you've asked a guy to give you know what I'm trying to say. A massage is a gateway to intimacy. And I feel like one of the biggest killers of people's sex drive is actually the fact that they're so goddamn stressed out. So a massage candle... They're aromatherapy. They smell amazing. And when you pour it on your partner, it's, I mean, I gave it to my best friend who's been married for 15 years when I was in Chicago this weekend. And she said they had he was the best. A, she was the mayor, you said? She was married. Oh, I thought you said she was the mayor. I'm glad no, I saw you. No, she's married. And she said that they had the best sex they've had in five years. You said, you've used the candle, Anderson. The candle's pretty sweet, yeah. Because it just, you give them a massage. It feels great. It's soothing. And one guy wrote me, my girlfriend was skeptical at first, but agreed to try the warm oil on me first and gave me a back rub. Then I reciprocated and we had amazing sex. She could not stop talking about how good the candle smells and how great the massage oil feels. And I'm convinced the scent and the candle helped us through some of the barriers to sex we face we have faced lately. It's it's actual Spanish fly. Yeah, it, it is Spanish fly. Is. I would I'll go on a limb and say that ninety five percent of uh, people, if there's more than one person in the room and the candle's lit, ninety five percent. They get intimate. Yeah, it's ninety five percent. It's true. Just, you just have it lit before someone comes over and be like, "Oh, hey, baby, want a massage?" It's like no uh, dinner. She just starts taking off her clothes exactly. right there. Exactly. People get naked. It's the craziest thing. So go to emilyandtony.com. Use code Emily for twenty percent off. That's emilyandtony.com. Also, I need to tell you about the Hustler store. Mm. Hustler Hollywood. They've got like twelve stores. The one in LA is awesome on Sunset Boulevard, and. A lot of you live in L.A. and you might come here often. So check out the Hustler Hollywood store. Or if there's one near you, you should check it out because it is a great destination for the best toys, erotica, sexiest lingerie. And it's the easiest way to find the answers that you've been looking for besides listening to my podcast to all those sex issues that you've had or sex things you want to do to spice up your relationship. Because the thing about these stores is it's a great date night. You don't have to, like, say, hey, babe, I bought you a vibrator, but you can go together and go shopping and be like, that might be kind of nice to try. That. It's kind of like a third party. If you're having a hard time talking about sex with your partner, go to a sex toy shop like Hustler. Browser selection, sexy products, see what gets you both turned on, and fulfill all your sexual desires. Um, and if, you want, if you're single, that's cool, too. Buy a vibrator. Uh, they have amazing, the best products on the market today. So Hustler Hollywood, they love my sex with Emily listeners, and they want to make your sex life better. So whether you're single or in a relationship, they are offering a 20% discount if you mention Sex with Emily at the checkout at this legendary store. So just do that. Go to Hustler Hollywood stores. Tell them that Emily sent you. Get 20% off. Hey, Anna David. I'm back with Anna David, the fabulous Hi. and lovely and beautiful Anna David. We're going to do a little video after this. Just give me a minute. Oh, so I'm so glad I wore makeup. You look beautiful. We need to talk, I think we should talk more about sex. We have me not too. talked enough I know. about sex. Sorry. Okay, so I want to talk about... Because I have a lot of friends who, who are sober, mm-hmm. and I worked really worked. But when they got two of my best friends got sober together, they didn't even know each other. And then I introduced them, and I went to them to a bunch of meetings, and I just saw how their life was so transformed. Like I even had a therapist once. I'm like, I'm not addicted, but I want to do the twelve steps. Oh, everybody should. Everybody should. Yeah. I think it's amazing. But the thing that was so hard for them, and I think for a lot of people, is being sober on a date, being sober, that first kiss. Mm-hmm. How can you have sex sober? People just blows their mind. They're like, oh, I always have a glass of wine. So was that, is that something that comes up a lot for people? Because my friend was so nervous on dates when she first came sober, she'd make me go with her because she couldn't talk to men. <laughs> it was her first few months, and I'd go with her. I'd be like, do you know, I'll call her Stacy. Stacy used to, you know, work in retail, and she was the, like, I'd have to sell it because she, right. she's, she's like, no, Emily, I'm not kidding you. I'd become mute around men. I'm like, right. you're not mute. You're the funniest, most outgoing. She's, I'm mute. And sure enough, she couldn't talk. She kept getting up. So anyway, it is hard for people I, to I mean, adjust. D- I, did you going along really help matters? Didn't, I think so. Didn't they just like you? <laughs> 
sometimes that happened. No, just once. But no, I think it helped. I was very not like not dressed down, not flirty. Right. Not, not like me never. with your old boyfriend. Yeah, I wasn't like you trying to like be a whore and steal her boyfriend. Just kidding. Um, he probably just liked you, and you were hot, and I was jealous. So oh, it's cool. Um, but what is that? Look? Well, that's a, for me. That was not a big thing. Um, I had never had sober sex before. I, I mean, when you're in relationships, of course, you have set sober sex. You right, know, in the, in the morning, morning or the day or whatever <laughs> right. it is. But you know, I, I pretty much when I lived with a boyfriend for some, I, I mean, I didn't drink every night at that point, so I had done it. Um, I do think. <sighs> I don't know. I think I did the opposite, which is I dated more. I, I, I got so into cocaine that mine wasn't really drinking as much as I was holed up in my apartment alone for three years doing cocaine with like two cats for company. Every day? A lot. When I had it until it was gone. So it would be like a three-day And three then you'd day say, ride. I'm not going to do it anymore. Then I, uh, yeah. And then every month I'd go, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I would quit for three weeks or a month and go, well, no cocaine addict can quit for three weeks or a month. So I'm obviously not a cocaine addict. It was a terrible, terrible Ugh. cycle. And um, so I got sober. I went to rehab and I started, get, you know, I got in the program and suddenly I'm surrounded by boys and they're cute and they're you know talking about the same issues I have and so they say don't date in your first year and I'm like excuse me I'm finally around people again and they're cute um and I sort of ignored that advice right and I got why they they said it because my choices you know my picker was very very broken the picker, you know. the picker. You were picking the wrong kind of men. Oh yeah, I was really drawn to those like dirty tattooed boys. There are a lot of them who are sober. So in AA, you were drawn to those picker boys. Yeah, <laughs> to those picker boys. Those p- bad picker boys. <laughs> yes, um, but I I was very comfortable. I think I was far more comfortable dating. I I knew how to kind of throw on that persona or whatever, and I was far less comfortable making female friends oh, and being real. And then I think that persona or whatever, I got my comfort by talking to the men and getting attention and right, all of I'm that. Right, I'm sure you did. You were like the new girl on the scene. But did you did you then honor, so you didn't honor the one year no, sober? No, no. What about your sponsor? Did you tell him? Yeah, her? I mean, she was cool. <laughs> um, and, and the girls I sponsor now, I, you know, I'm like, you'll pick the wrong people, but I'm not going to tell you not to do it. I mean, I... I you know, and, and the misconceptions about program is it's like if somebody tells me I can't do something, it's just going to make me want to do it. Right. Um, you know, I don't drink or do drugs because I don't want to do that. You know, it's not that it's not willpower. It's not because someone told me not to. It's a real complicated right. thing. But keeping it about the sober sex, I think that I was I was not that freaked out about it. I, I know that people are. But, I mean, sober sex is a better. million times yeah, better. A million times you remember it. Well, you and can also, perform better. That's the thing is people would say, you know, I dated this very famous guy who wasn't famous then when I was in college. And so my whole life, anyone who knows that is like, how big was this dick? And I literally have to say, I have no idea. Because you don't remember. No who was idea. Who the famous guy? Oh, I'm not. I'll tell you off air. Uh, you can't tell me now? No. Okay, got it. So he's famous. You don't know if he had a big dick. Can you just, not at all? You don't remember? You don't I remember do. I have small. You no, remember it was small. I would remember if it was small. It was Matt Damon. We never talked about that? No. Oh, you yeah, dated yeah. Matt Damon in college? Yes. Do you still talk to him? No. No. Fu- our last like, conversation. Yes, how's your penis? No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, Um. he was lovely, but our last conversation was him calling me. It was always like he was up against, Um. you know, he was up against Leonardo for a long time. And then he was always up against some guy who would always get the part, you know, before. Oh. And so then Ed Norton was his big competition. So he was up for the Rainmaker. And, and I, he's like, I'm up against Ed Norton again. Like, I don't think I'm going to get it. And then he calls me. He's like, I'm the Rainmaker. And that was the last conversation I ever had with him. We That's, just lost did touch. Did we, we, we broke up then? Like he's like, no, we weren't together there. We oh. were very good friends okay, for a it. long time after we dated. We did in college. So. so where'd you go to school? I went to Trinity, but I had a Harvard fetish, and it was a, a, an hour and a half away. My my brother went there. My dad. Did and, Matt Damon go to Harvard? Yes, he did. He was not. He was living in his, um, did they call them dining clubs, the okay. fraternity. So he was living in his dining club then because he was making this movie called School Ties in Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. So he was not enrolled at Harvard. Okay. Um, at the time. But that didn't matter. He lived at Harvard. So yeah. So. I used to have a school thing, too. I'm like, Ivy League, hot. I'm like, where, where do you go to school? I know. I know. It gets me so turned on. It's right. bad. Even now, Ivy League. So I'm was like, he a good lover? You don't remember. It wasn't bad. We were in college. How? Who was a good lover Nobody's in college? a good lover in college. Yeah. That's why people listening to the show have to understand. I've actually been writing a lot of good stuff lately. I have to say, my, if I say my so my say so myself. I'm I wrote something for Men's that. Fitness. Uh-huh. And it was like the 10 reasons... 
you're bad and bad for men and it's gotten like eight million shares on Facebook and all that. So oh. check out my oh, like my sexual only page on Facebook and um and your what's your Facebook page? Oh, Anna David and then there's after party uh Okay. Group. So you wanna like that too. Yeah. Um but but so but people they're in their twenties they're just not or like when people like I never had good no man ever performed oral sex on me in my twenties that really? was good at all. Oh, no. that was good. Oh, oh, never in my life. Did you know <laughs> I was still waiting. The first time I had uh, that. Uh, I I was a junior in co- in high school. Sorry, oh. and my boyfriend. Um, I I knew about a blowjob. Like I knew I, I somebody had shown me on a banana, like the total cliche, right? like Fast Times at Ridgemont High kind of a thing. I had never heard about a man going down on a woman. So when he did that to me, I was like, "This is the best kiss of my life." <laughs> That's what I thought. I, wow. I mean, I was. You didn't even. Know. We didn't know then. It was so different. Tell us anything. And anal sex. Anyone ever tried to have anal sex with you in college? Like, oh, I, people have. I've. I've never gone there. Yeah. I and d- people. It wasn't. Have you of, never had anal sex? I mean, well, no. Now I have. But, right. But then in college, it wasn't a thing. It. Yeah. No. It wasn't really a thing. Now it's like porn. Everyone's watching porn yeah. and they're doing all the things. It's like acid. I never needed to take it to know I didn't like it. Right. You never did. So you just did coke mostly and drank. Oh, I did every other drug except for acid. Yeah, oh, see, I did acid. Ugh. I did dead show. Yeah, for <laughs> San Francisco, you couldn't help <laughs> right. it. You're from San Francisco too, right? Yes, yes, Marin County. Marin. Okay, that's mm-hmm. why I met you at a party at Simpson Beach when you were flirting with my boyfriend. God, I wish I remembered this. Well, you were probably drunk. I was probably wasted. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just thought you were, you know. Um, okay, so I know. But now, do you date guys who aren't sober? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't discriminate. It, it, it's, like, hard to date an active alcoholic. Right. Um, but but mostly, there's a lot of guys who don't drink. But in, I'm in a phase now where I'm into dating sober guys again. I right. was At first, I was like, they're too, I they're too much like first, you in a way. Or they're but... just too crazy, and they've got so many issues. Exactly. Too much like me. Right. But no, um, but I'm saying because you're sober, they're sober. You're part of the same thing. It's but, so familiar. Yeah. No, that part's good because you speak the same language. But they're a little nutty, and they've got a whole bunch of issues. And sober people were so dramatic. Yeah, but here's... Here's my question about that. Are sober people really that much nuttier than everyone else who's numbing themselves with something that makes them not seem as crazy? Well, I, I think that, that people have their medicine and sober people are don't. I mean, that's that's the the idea about addiction and alcoholism that I truly believe is that it's sort of humanism to an exponential degree. So it's like we all feel scared. We all feel like you know, fearful and or whatever it is, right. or these Insecure. people don't like us. And but in this, in the alcoholic, it, it's exaggerated so much that it becomes like I can't handle how I feel. I've got to change it right now. And so then you you start alcohol, drugs, whatever does that for you, and then it turns on you and it starts doing the opposite. And then you have to stop. And so you have to learn how to deal with those feelings. That, that you've been repressing or that you that you, you think the drug's helping you with. That they once did. Yeah. And that, quote, unquote, normal people don't have – they don't get so desperate that they have to learn this new way of living. Right. But I did I did think of something fun to talk okay, about that me. is, like, on the topic because I was being so secretive about my dating life. Um, I Matt wanna, Damon was a pretty good Yeah. Come on. There. You're, getting, you're getting – I like it. It's good dirt. No, okay. but I want to talk about – And then I'm going to call him after you. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm tweet him. Just kidding. No, no. Um – uh, the best lover I've ever had. Oh, my God. Tell me why. Why was he the best oh, lover? He's so incredible. He's still my fantasy. Tell me what made him the best he's lover. He's amazing. He was put on this earth, too. Does he live in L.A.? And he is li- he single? He lives in New York. Okay. And um, and I met him when I lived there. God help me if he listens. Um, he doesn't. He, I don't know. He's very sexual. <laughs> Apparently, but maybe he doesn't need to listen because he's – what made him the best lover? Oh, God. Well, I, you know, I think that what it was – because I used to, like, ex- try to figure it out with my therapist. Like, what is it about this guy? Right. I want to know. Um, well, okay. Well, one thing is he was the one person I could have casual sex with because um, I met him and he was in it. I don't want to give up too much. Right. He was, like, in an open relationship. He was not available. Okay. But so – and I didn't want to – like I was just like I couldn't that couldn't be my boyfriend so that all that stuff that you kind of carry around with you at a certain age where you're like or at any age is he the one is this and that if I do this is he not going to respect me and you know will I not be the girl he wants to take home to mom or whatever it is gone and so okay well so this thing so he had written this story he's an amazing writer so he had written this story that he sent that he showed me that was about um, this guy who had this belt, and and he dr- he drilled a, an extra hole into it so that he, it worked perfectly to tie up to tie a woman's wrists up bondage, against the bedpost, right? but like mild bondage, you know, just with this thing, and um, 
And then we had this plan, and he came over, and I saw that he was wearing. Like he, I somehow I figured it out, and so then he did. He, so he he like kind of takes it out, and he's like, "Your safe word is yellow," and I'm like, "I am really living. I have a safe <laughs> word. You've had a safe word, right? Yeah." Yeah, I have. I was just like, I'm so excited. Is, and then I found out yellow is a common safe word. And yeah, I'm like, well, red, yellow, green. Usually red is stop. Green is keep going. Yellow is like caution. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. I thought it was original that he no, made it just No, but whatever. For me. You never know. Okay, yeah. So it was hot. Most women, it's like 50 shades, right? You want It feels good to be tied up a little bit. But okay, but his game, it was all this like power stuff. I mean, obviously that's what it is. But then what he did, so then he's like blindfolding me and he's like, Whatever you do, you cannot beg. And I'm and I go, that's fine. So then like he would start kissing me and then he would like whatever, go down on me, whatever he was doing, and then he'd leave the room. And I'd be like, uh and he's like, uh uh-uh. uh. I said no begging or I'm gonna leave. Like, oh, it was so hot. How long would he leave you for? Not long. It felt like hours, you know, but um and and so and and then, you know, in bed how you're you sort of try to so that was that was over and right. I was like, uh Oh, and he wouldn't sleep with me after that that night. Why? Never again? Could, no, because it was like his power and control thing. It just made me want him so much more. Oh, my God. No, this guy's good. So before that, though, what made him the best lover? Was he great at oral sex? So was that was good? our first night. Oh, that was your first and last night? No, 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 no. He wouldn't have sex with me that night. Oh, because he wanted you to keep thinking about him. Yes. It's, okay, that is so key because I always say that the keys to great sex, and the reason why people stop having great sex when they're in committed relationships is because it's all about the mystery, the anticipation, building desire, the teasing, uh-huh. that's what women want. So when you walk in the door with a raging boner and you take her pants off and trying to stick it in and we're not warmed up yet, we're going to reject you because we're not even turned on. We th- it, it, you're not being considerate. What you can do is take that boner and, and, and then go take take down that blood in your boner and move it to your brain for a second and try to seduce us so then we are begging for it. Yeah. And so he knew how to do that. He knew how to do that. And I think that, that women who, um, you know, think they're really in control and are really in control in their lives, like our dream and fantasy is to have somebody be strong enough to take that away. Exactly. And, and so. And to be desired and cherished because it makes you feel like they want you so bad or they're. Well, yeah. They're but, worshiping you. But in a way, I guess he's leaving you. So that's. But yeah, I mean, it was a push and pull. And I, and you know, in bed, you know how you kind of start to direct people, you know? And he was like, shh. And I loved that he just sort of ignored me and knew better than I did. <laughs> how were you directing him? Do you give an instruction about Well, it's just sort of like to the left, like Beyonce. Right. Like, to, to the left, left to the right. Left. Right. Um, and then, and then um, we made a plan, and, and I went over there, and it was daytime too. And he just like kind of like, I didn't even get in the door, and he was like, he just threw me against the wall and then we had, that was the first time we had sex right see that's hot oh yeah see sometimes we do we want to be th- but that's a turn on because oh, because what had preceded it was that entire thing that so I you just was thinking you. about it all week yeah and I'm I not- didn't I was like he, he, this is atypical he's not giving it up maybe he won't for a while and so then it was he's so sexy uh, do you still talk to him yeah yeah and he'll be like send me a picture <laughs> right um, do you send nude pictures I've only done it to him wow okay is but he still the- in the open relationship Oh, I don't even know. I mean, we're, I, he's he's better as a fantasy than in reality. Okay, when I, I would go, so many guys are. I know, but I, when I would go to New York, we would just have like a yeah plan. That's fine. I like those things. I I mostly like the emotionally unattached sex, but that's me. That was the only one I liked it with. I like that story. Okay, we're gonna get into a little bit of emails here from the people. So thanks everyone for emailing me. Feedback at sexwithemily.com. I love hearing from you, and I've got another expert here. Whether she likes to think so. Hey. Dear Emily. I am very educated about sexual health and open-minded sexually, but have a hard time emotionally accepting my boyfriend looking at porn while he masturbates. We have a great relationship, respect each other's sexual relationships with ourselves, and love mutual masturbation. I know that men tend to need visual stimulation and that it is separate from our relationship, but as a rape survivor, I have a hard time dealing with the sexual object objectification I see in porn. I can logically understand why he uses it, but emotionally it makes me upset that the man I live with, the man I love and have been with for three years can objectify women. It hurts me and makes knots in my stomach when we talk about it. We try to talk about it together. We haven't come to any solutions. I tried viewing feminist porn, but it wasn't for me. I thought if I could find porn for both of us to enjoy, maybe I can understand his alone time. But the whole culture makes me uncomfortable. It has helped me listening to some of the interviews with porn stars on your show that seem to enjoy their work, but I'm still upset about it. I don't know what to do to accept the habit. It isn't fair for me to ask him to stop. 
How do I get used to it though? Thanks so much for your help and all your hard work, Sex with Emily. I'm a longtime listener and active recruiter trying to get all my friends to listen to your podcast. Desperate for a healthier sex life, Megan. Well, Megan, okay. Well, thank you so much for being a longtime listener, and I love hearing from you, and I really want to help you here. So here's the thing about, well, first let's talk about your abuse and that you're a survivor of rape. And I'm just wondering if you've had any help. Have you sought therapy? Um, have you Have you worked through that? Because if it's something that you haven't worked through yet, it's going to keep coming up in your life in different ways. If he wasn't watching porn, it'll just, it'll show up unless you, you deal with it. So you seem very evolved and I don't know how old you are, but I hope that's something that you've worked with because I could see if he stops watching porn altogether, it's going to surface in another area. So that's one thing. But I got to tell you that you're not alone, that many women do feel threatened by their guys watching porn. They, you know, feel like they're not as sexy as the porn star. Um, and they feel like, you know, why, they don't get it because they're like, well, I'm the best sex of his life. Why does he still need to masturbate? But the thing about men in porn that it's it's not about what he's not getting at home. It's about variety. It's about novelty. It's about turning him on. A lot of men just enjoy the sexual release that porn can deliver. But what you're saying here, though, that you still feel like it's the objectification of women, which I understand because you so you were objectified and you were abused. So I don't even know if I, I could talk to him blue in the face here about all the reasons why men m- masturbate to porn. And it has nothing to do with your relationship. It's just men's brains are hardwired for being turned on. It's about like the propagation of the species. It's about, you know, online porn being so readily available right now. And there's all these opportunities. Um, and if you can somehow become less threatened by porn and realize that like it's not your replacement and he's still really hot for you and not ashamed, then you'd be more easily to talk about your sex life. Um, but I just feel like going back to your your abuse and your past, it just might be hard for you to accept until you work on yourself. And I don't know, in porn addiction, it doesn't sound like he's a porn addict because that's a whole nother thing. You probably see Anna in your... I know you're in. Yeah, no, that's definitely. But there are, you know, usually the porn addicts are not having sex with their girlfriends right. and doing mutual masturbation because they can't get off. Unless exactly. It's just that's porn. when it keeps getting to be a problem is when you, when when it takes over your life and you are powerless over it. Right. Um, but more often, I, I believe that if you guys really talk about it, maybe you take it away from the porn and you. I don't know if you've shared your abuse with him. I'm assuming that you have. And you said you tried female friendly porn. Porn, I would check out Good Vibes After Dark. You know, goodvibes.com. I always talk about that. But they have this After Dark, and you can just buy it by the minute. And they really do. And it's not just feminist porn, but it's like female friendly porn, couple porn. I mean, there might be stuff in there for you. But again, I think this, like, no porn is going to work for you. And if you really love this guy, he's your boyfriend. Is it your husband? He's your boyfriend. boyfriend. I feel that even if you leave him for this, most guys watch porn and I went through this in my 20s I was dating a guy not the guy that you tried to steal from me Anna but <laughs> this other guy and I, it was the first time I, I I had a guy who was watching porn and I, I at first I did I was like this is the best sex of my life I was like 25 but he watched porn and I really felt threatened I really felt mm-hmm. like I was shocked because I didn't know and I feel like there's a lot of women in these shoes who just don't get it do, how do you feel about men watching porn I don't have a thing about it and I also don't think it's really anyone's business in a way. Like my advice would be, you know, in any relationship, there are things that we keep private. Not everything is up for discussion. And I think that's his business. Right. Can he do it without telling? I mean, and you know that he's doing it, but what if he promises to do it when you're not around or you don't walk in on it? I mean, I don't, I don't think you can get him to stop without him like hiding it from you, and no, then that's and worse because you're going to find it. You don't want to be that woman. You yeah. don't want to be that chick that's getting him to to stop it. And if if you do work through your issues, and there is a way that you can somehow learn to enjoy it with him, maybe you just watch romantic films together. But the thing about that watching porn together that can be helpful. Technically, you're not supposed to learn anything from porn. Guys should not be watching it, learning how to do things. It's visually set up so it's appealing. But a lot of times it leads to other things when couples can watch together. They can think, well, that turns me on. That doesn't. And I'm wondering if you could change the way you think about it. You said you've listened to some of the shows I've done with porn stars who actually are doing it. with They're not doing it against their will. And if there's a way that you could turn it around as like an entertainment and as a way to really spice up your sex life together, there's things that you could learn or there could be, you know, Porn, porn, you know, moves, certain moves. You go shopping to a sex toy shop. Have you ever tried toys? Are there other things that you could do together that 
could make it interesting for you and just kind of let like it's almost like he's not going to change so you have to change your expectations of him just know that he's going to be watching porn and if you break up with him the next guy you're with is probably going to watch porn not every guy watches porn but it's more common than not especially now because it's available everywhere yeah but again if you didn't say the thing about your past and your abuse i would i would say you you just is there a way to find really something that you like but i don't think that you're going to get through this until you work on being a rape survivor hmm. and that's through therapy and and working on it but i don't think you're going to get him to stop watching porn and i don't think you want to do you like porn emily you know i do i don't mind it i like it i think it's fun to watch with partner sometimes and have you never of. watched it by yourself oh i have watched it by myself uh, too i do watch it by yourself yeah what I do mean, you like where do you go um like only if like i was going through this thing where i was like my relationship with the magic wand was getting to be unhealthy <laughs> and i was like to wean myself off of that i just was used porn I'm I'm like an oral sex. That's like what I want to watch is a man going down on a Yes, it's hot, right? Isn't oral sex your favorite thing? How about when a guy goes down on you? Is that your, do you love it? I do. Well, they're doing it right. It's hard to find a guy to do it right. Yeah. Do you have any tips for oral sex? The, the best sex, oral sex you've had? What What was the guy doing? Uh, I wish I knew. I think with that one guy, he's just got special lips and a special right. tongue. But I think soft over hard. Feel out the woman. See what she responds to. You know, when a guy sort of says like, oh, I'm so, people, women always tell me how great I am at oral sex. It's like, uh-oh, because that's a guy who thinks there's a formula for every woman. Right. And it's very, very well, individual. Every woman is different. But it is true that the rule of thumb is always go softer. Always at go the beginning. softer. Yeah. Yeah. But guys don't know that. And then, and then I, d- I think a little finger, you know, tongue combo is pretty good. Yeah. little G-spot action. Maybe. Yeah, or it doesn't even have to be G-spot. Just put just, your fingers in. But yeah. not every woman likes it, but many do. I was talking to this about my guy friend last night because I talk about oral sex all the time. I'm sort of obsessed with it. And he's like, most women do like a little finger inside, but not all. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's enough. Not at the beginning, though. No, like, warm no, up no. My clitoris. Ease into it. And here's another thing I had a guy do recently that, and I always talk about this, but guys never do it. I just wish that guys would listen to my show and then ask me out. Because right. I do give all these oral sex tips, but it's like don't go right for the clitoris, but spend the time like with her lip, like her, yeah. on her labia, on her lips, her inner lips, her outer lips, and don't don't go right for clitoris, her inner thighs, inner her. thighs, yeah, that's just rub her inner thighs, and she's putty, like make her, so she, she is begging for it, yeah. So you're not going right in for the for the. I'm glad you know where the clitoris is, but don't go right for it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I do find that men that are great kissers are often great at that, yeah. And if you're, if you, I agree. And if you, if you're a little uptight about oral sex, you're not sure, just make out with her vagina. It's kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. In that soft way with your tongue and nibble a little if you want to. But I do think that, that it's kind of like making out. The but take, p- take, the- take it, you know, pay attention to her though. The best making out tip I can give, by the way, yeah. I'm putty when a guy put just all you have to do is take your hand as you kiss her, just tilt her head, keep your hand on her face. Yes, I Every woman loves it. So few men do it. I know. They do it like maybe once at the beginning. If that. I love when a guy holds my face and my neck is such an erogenous zone. Like for most women, like rub my neck and put your hands on my face. Yeah. I agree. It's not good for, um, you know, skincare. (laughs) Right. But it's so, it's so great. It's both like sexy and and sweet at the same time. I agree. That Mm -hmm. is a great tip. I love it. Well, Anna, we only have a few more minutes here. So is there anything else that we... We can find you at After Party Pod. Find me at After Party Pod. See the site at After Party Chat. AnnaDavid.com has some stuff. I have this. All your books, all your things. All the books. I have this branding class that you Are you teaching a branding class? Yeah, well, it's 25 videos. They're between like five and seven minutes. Perfect. I know. And it's on everything from, you know, starting a podcast, writing a book, speaking at colleges, um, writing wow. for magazines. Yeah. It's and people fun. sign up for it? Yeah, you, you buy it and then you can watch the videos whenever the hell you oh, want. Oh, my God. That's really cool. AnnaDavid.com. Yeah. And then on Twitter, Anna B. Exactly. We like to tweet each other. Yes. And you should check her out. And, and everyone check out her podcast. And review it. And review mine as well. And thank you, Anderson, for being here with me tonight. Thanks for uh, having me, per you, Jam. I love you. I love you. Hey, Larry uh, Larry David, your grandfather? Grandfather. He's my uncle. Is he's he really? Not, no, I do have a Larry David who is like a used car salesman who's in my family. <laughs> but I, it's not the Larry David. No, I tried to tell Larry David how funny it was that we both had the same last name and he didn't think it was that funny. No, he's like... He just like, looked you... at me like I was insane. Did he give you that look where he looked down your nose and went, mm, well, all right. Okay. Not even quite that nice. <laughs> Did you 
time we start with Matt Damon. Okay, um, we are going to Anderson. Anything else happening in your podcast this week? No, no, it's good. Good episode though. Which Very one? good show. Which one? All of them. Film Vault After Disaster. Okay, that's all I'm trying to Come say. Come see us. Okay, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Sex with Emily. Was it good for you? Email me. Feedback at sexwithemily.com. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And as you know, I want to help you have the best sex of your life. So check out Flashlight. It is the number one sex toy for men. Yes, men do have sex toys. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could feel the pleasure of having sex anytime, anywhere, even if you don't have a partner or if you do have a partner and she's not in the mood. In fact, my intern, I gave her a flashlight and she says her boyfriend's so psyched now because when she's not in the mood, she's like, go get the flashlight. And he loves it. He's like 24. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you're married, single, whatever it is. It is the most popular sex toy for a reason. It's engineered to look and feel like the real deal. It's basically a male masturbation sleeve, and some people think it's better than sex. Not that you won't want to have sex again, but also you can try the Fleshlight Stamina Training Unit. It helps you practice lasting longer and becoming a better lover. A lot of guys want to last long in bed. And you will experience some of the most mind-blowing orgasms of your life. So check it out. Um, Go to sexwithemily.com slash Flashlight. That's sexwithemily.com slash 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 flashlight. You Check know what your out. intern's doing? Your intern, what's her name? Which one? The, the one that has the flashlight. Ma- Madison? Madison, yeah. Yes. You know what she's doing? Sometimes she goes to bed before her boyfriend. She doesn't feel well. She has a headache. She's right. tired of him coming in and sticking her in the back with his, with I, his wing. Yeah. So she's been putting his flashlight on his pillow. I know. When she goes to bed. And she's so happy and he's so happy. And now she wants to He comes in and he sees his other girlfriend. Yeah, he right must there. think, like, okay, she's not into it, but that's fine. Yeah, I love it. Okay, check out the flashlight and thanks everyone for listening to the show.